Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. With me, Laura Curran. Let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now, here's your host, Laura Curran. Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We are recording this podcast on Monday, August 22nd. That's the day before primary day here in New York State. A lot of attention is focused today, and quite rightly, on the congressional races nationwide. But today on Cut to the Chase, we're going to zoom in and delve into a particularly fascinating Democratic primary for state Senate on Long Island. So if you ask most New Yorkers, I don't think they could even tell you who's running to be their state senator. But the race for the newly redrawn 4th State Senate District is different. It's getting tons of press and attention, not just within the district, but all over the state. The district lines have been redrawn this year and then redrawn again. And the 4th District is now the first state Senate district on Long Island with a Hispanic plurality. And it pits longtime State Assemblyman Phil Ramos who at the same time is running to keep his assembly seat, uh, so he's running for two offices at once, against my guest and former state senator, Monica Martinez. Monica, welcome. Good morning. How are you? Thank you for having me here today. I'm doing great, and I want to thank you for jumping on the phone. I know you're busy in this last day of campaigning before Election Day, so let's get right to it. First of all, where are you and what are your plans for today? Well, just like every day, every election, right? The day before, you try to get that last vote out, including to you know the day of the election, talking to people, and just really doing that last effort, right? That push to really get people out to vote. Because let's be clear on something: this will be a very low voter turnout election. As you mentioned before, not too many people know that the lines are redistricted. Not too many people know that there is a new Senate district. And uh, this is this is my job. My job is to educate people of the new drawn district and hopefully have their support tomorrow. Give us your elevator pitch. Why should people pick you instead of your opponent? Why are you the one to lead this new district? Great question. And thank you for that. It's you know what? For those listeners who do not know my past or how I came up into the political world, I was a teacher first, and then I was an assistant principal in the Brentwood School District on Long Island, and I love what I did teaching, helping our children, helping them with the tools that they need to thrive in whatever they wanted to do to succeed in life. But what I saw then, it was that many of our school districts weren't getting the resources that they deserve, and therefore I decided to to go for it and, and, and do more to elect officials fighting for our communities. What I did see was the red tape bureaucracy that people, when calling government offices, would not get the help that they needed because whether it was a language barrier or just someone who didn't want to do the work. And that, to me, was, was mind-boggling because these are individuals who are looking for assistance, whether it be through the Department of Labor, Department of Social Services, any government agency 
many residents just had a hard time getting through to someone. And that's really why I ran and why I decided to go into the political world coming from the educational world. I wanted to do more outside the four walls of my classroom, do more outside the walls of my office. And I felt by being in the actual action, I would be able to provide the resources that communities need, especially communities who have been underrepresented by their elected officials for so long. And Brentwood, Central Isip, North Bayshore have been three of those communities that in the past were neglected by individuals who just felt because they're not voting a certain political party, they should not get the help they need. So, you know, so oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, please. I so was, was going to say, I've just been in the nitty gritty of it. You know, I yeah. live in the district. I've seen it. I've seen my community face gang violence. I lost many students due to gang violence. Mm. And when, when things got tough, I was the only elected official there. I mm. was the only one trying to bring resources, not after the fact, right? Not what my opponent has been doing. We had also an environmental injustice in our park. I was the one who made sure that people knew this was happening and, and provide resources at the moment, not after the fact. So I am one that when there is a problem, I find a solution at that moment. I don't wait till things calm down and then take credit for it. So in 2013, and correct me if I got this wrong, you ran for Suffolk County Legislature for the first time, and that was the year I ran for Nassau County Legislature. Then in 2018, you won the Senate seat for your district. You served two years. You lost to the Republican candidate two years later, and now you're running again. Why get back into the fray now? Yeah, losing that last election was a blessing in disguise. Mm. Obviously, first I was very upset. Why Why wouldn't I be, right? Because I know that my team did such great things for the communities that I once represented in the third senatorial district. And the job is not done. I left so many things unfinished that need to be done. And honestly, Laura, the last two years, I have been able to reflect. I have been able to grow as a person. I've been able to grow as a public servant. And I've been able to really decipher who's on my side and who's not, right? Who has stood by me even when I wasn't in office, who still contacted because they knew they can still count on me, and then those who just needed something while I was just in office, right? And But even with that, mm-hmm. while not being in office, I still had that desire that people weren't People weren't being helped and people were still calling me and I was still helping them even without being in office. And again, I just felt that desire to, to really help people that weren't being helped. And, and it's always been a thing with me since I was a little girl. I've always, I've always had this thing to help others. Um, and that's really why I'm getting into it. I, I was working at Parks and Recreation for the state of New York. And don't get me wrong, I love that position. I learned a lot. I learned how our environment really needs a better focus on. I I saw how beautiful our parks are maintained by those workers that sometimes you forget how and why our parks look so great, right, in our beaches. But there was an element missing in my life, and that element is helping others. So you talk about, you know, you know who's on your side and you know who's not. And that's so true when I can share that (laughs) insight with you, because when you're out of office, it's very clear. But someone who is on your side is the party chair, Rich Schaefer, the party chair of Suffolk County. And he he finds it very odd, as do other, you know, this has been written a lot in the press about how your opponent 
Phil Ramos is running for two spots in the same election cycle. So the party chair has called it, quote, the height of arrogance and that he's looking to game the system and that it's not fair. You know, Ramos had a chance to respond. He says in Newsday that, you know, if he doesn't make this primary, he'll run for assembly. If he makes the primary, he'll he'll continue to run for the Senate. So he's, he thinks it's fair. Just, you know, just have to get his side out there. Do you find this very confusing for voters? What do you hear from the voters about the fact that someone's running against you, but also running for another seat at the same time? Well, voters feel deceived. And not only do they feel deceived, it's division within the community. You have two Hispanic individuals who are running, one who has already held the seat, myself, in the Senate, and one who has been a career politician for 22 years. You know, he says that this was an opportunity. No, this was taking advantage of a redistricting mess and a loophole that was created. Something that I wouldn't do because I am ethical, but that's his prerogative. And what people are saying when I knock on doors is why and how can he do this at the same exact time? Whether he decides to leave the assembly seat if he wins the primary, at the end of the day, he's running for both seats. You can't say you're only running for one because you're already on the ballot for the assembly. And, and it's deceiving to voters, and voters are very confused. And voters also get confused, especially in the district that him and I have both represented in the past, mm. because both of them hold, their, you know, hold us in different capacity and they hold us in different regards, and they know that we have both helped in some way or another. And then literally putting people against each other because they don't know who to support. And that in itself is bad, because instead of building up a community, instead of working together together, He's dividing the community that that's the last thing that communities need at this time. It seems to me from the outside that there's something personal going on here. I remember reading in the papers in 2017, his wife primaried you for your legislative seat unsuccessfully. But but it's almost like he wants another bite at the apple with this election. Well, it is personal. And those who, who really know the, the ins and outs can probably attest to the same, right? Yes, he did run his wife against me in 2017. And and as you said, did not succeed. And it just showed you that only a name doesn't allow you to win, right? You just can't ride the coattails of your husband and expect to win. I ran on my record. People knew what I have done for the Brownwood Central Life and North Bayshore community when I was in the county. And that's really what made me win. It had nothing to do with the fact that this man is trying to just sabotage every election that I'm in. And now this one, even with this Senate race at the beginning, when I declared in February, because I declared in February that I was running, and this is regardless of the lines, whether they were good lines, bad lines, weird lines, you name it, but Mm. I was running from the beginning. And he decided to run when the lines are redistricted, right, where he saw an opportunity to run for two seats at the same exact time, where I, from the beginning, said I'm running, whether it is a district that leans more Republican or not, right? So so this is definitely personal. Even when I declared in February, he was already looking for someone to put against me. Hmm. And it, it, it's always been that way between him and I. And the reason being, and this is no secret to anyone, and he has publicly said it, but he feels that I'm, I've empowered his enemies by working with people who do great things in the community because he doesn't like them. Mm. That in itself is not a good leader. We should work together, whether we like each other or not. If there's a, if there's a group, if there's an organization that is doing great work in the community, why not assist? We're not here to make friends. We're here to work. 
And that's something that he has also said that I've done, that I've empowered his enemies because I have worked with people he, he doesn't work well with. And then he's also said that I've taken his spotlight away, that, that you know, mm. with Roberto Clemente Park, when, when the toxic dumping took place, that I took the lead. Well, he wasn't around to do the job. So, of course, I had to do what I needed to do for my community. And, and he felt I took the spotlight away from the media from him. Mm. I'm not here for media hogging, right? I'm here to do a job. That's interesting. You know, I knew him a bit. He would come to Nassau for some events, always warmly welcomed him. This is back when I was county exec. You know, it was always nice to have someone from Suffolk come to Nassau and do events. And his wife would come and she was always very sweet and friendly. And then the relationship cooled. uh, The text stopped after he did a press conference in Nassau criticizing my administration about something without a heads up. And then I, you know, never really heard again. But I just thought that was that was an interesting, an interesting thing. Now, one thing as you're talking, this is the first this is kind of a big deal for Long Island, the first Hispanic plurality in a state Senate district. So Hispanics in this newly redrawn district account for 43 percent of the population. It's not the majority, but it's bigger than any other uh, ethnic group in the district. Also, it's pretty, you know, you didn't know when you first threw your hat in the ring if it was going to be red, purple, blue. It looks like it's pretty darn blue now. 62% of the residents of this new district voted for Biden in the 2020 election. So it's very likely, although we, nothing is ever set in stone, that the Democrat sure. will win. So this is this probably is the election. Now, the fact that it's mostly Hispanic, the fact that you're both leaders in the Hispanic community and that there's the division here, if you win... He obviously will have people who will vote for him and who like him. How will you bring the community together again after the election is over, after the primary is over? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. That's the one thing I pride myself on being and doing is that I am a consensus builder. I am able to bring people to the table. And you know what, Laura? I am able to say, look, you're able to support whomever you want. But now the election is over. Let the dust settle. Now let's get to work. Right. You can't just hold these grudges because this is why communities don't thrive. If someone voted and again, it's a secret ballot. Right. So who knows who votes for whom, though? I think we kind of know. Right. Who's on whose team. But I'm not going to say, you know what? You didn't vote for me and therefore I am not going to help you. You need help. My door will be open regardless of whether you voted for me or not. Right. This is this is not who I am. Uh, It might be who he is, but it's not who I am. And I would say, look, let's come to the table. Let's talk. This is the way I've been regarded as for many years. And and, and it's actually a a, a term that I've come to to really accept and very humbling that I am a person who can bring people together because you need to listen to people. You can't just go ahead and be so close minded and and just focus on oneself. This being an elected official should not be based about personal egos. It should be about making communities better unifying communities, bringing resources, and not just taking credit when you just want the credit. You know, especially when you're taking credit when so many other organizations contributed to that Mm -hmm. success. 
Yeah. So what you're saying is is pretty refreshing. It's about the people that you represent. It is. It's about them. That's who we are running to represent. We're not representing our, our ourselves, right? Obviously, yes, we are part of the community, but we're representing those that need representation. And my parents are with me in Brentwood. They're my dependents. I'm their caretaker. Whatever happens in my community, everything I do is for them. Everything I do is for my family that lives on Long Island, for my nephews, for my brothers and sisters, for my loved ones, for my friends, right? And even those that I don't know. I try to do the right thing. And when I go to bed at night, I really hope that I'm able to sleep and and be a better person, right? Be a better version of me and making sure that I listen to constituents and what they need instead of what I want and what I think should happen. One of the things that I like in a politician is not always following the party line, thinking for yourself. And that's something, you know, as I read the paper, as I watch the news that I have seen you do, you seem to do what you think is best, even when it might not be popular with the quote unquote cool kids in your party. One thing that I found interesting is you you came to this country with your family from El Salvador when you were three years old. But yet your opponent, who was born in America, got the endorsement of Make the Road New York, which is a progressive nonprofit that, and I guess they have a political action committee as well, political action arm as well, to help immigrants, immigrants' rights. What do you make of that endorsement? And do you think that hurts or helps or it doesn't make a difference in the district? Honestly, Make the Road New York, their ideology and their vision does not align with Long Island Democrats. It does not. Their ideology is more based in the city. Here on Long Island, we're completely different. And myself and my family coming here as, as immigrants. And, and look, Laura, I remember coming on the plane mm. with my favorite toy, with my eldest brother, mm. because my mom is the one who came first. My mom did not uproot us. She didn't know whether America was the right place to go or not. She came to New York. She stayed here for two years on her own. She, you know, she established her residency. She worked as a nanny, taking care of other people's children when she couldn't even take care of her own children because she left them in our native country, right? Meaning myself and my siblings. Mm. And that's for nothing. We, we are able to actually understand and empathize and sympathize with immigrant struggles. And I get he is trying to tout that I did not support the immigrant community, make the road New York things. I am a flip flopper and a, a trader and this and that when they have no clue how, how it actually feels to be an immigrant in this country. Mm. And I remember taking that public transportation. I remember taking those buses. I remember walking. I remember taking cabs because we didn't have a car or my parents didn't have their driver's license to, to be able to, to move around. And, it, it, it actually is it's upsetting that they're lying to the immigrant community and it's not working. They're trying to put this message out and it's not working. And that's why they're actually all over the place with this campaign, because they knew that it's not something that for them is going to move the needle because people know what I've done. And Laura, that vote was one of the hardest votes I've had to take in terms of licenses for undocumented. Mm. Again, I understand the struggles, right? Mm -hmm. I get it. I did it. I walked miles and miles going from the supermarket to my home. And it's mind boggling how you can take a vote and, and twist it and make people believe 
not even giving them the facts. And what I've been trying to educate people on is for me, even before when I said to you, I'm always trying to do the right thing. Mm. I'd rather be wrong than right. We had someone in the White House whose rhetoric was anti-immigration. Right. The, the, so the issue that you're talking about, if if the listeners don't know, it was sh- the vote was should undocumented people who are driving anyway, should they be allowed to have driver's licenses? It doesn't give them anything else except the ability to drive legally. That was that was the, the vote. And that was the vote. And yes, I, they do deserve to drive. Right. They need to put food on their table. They need to get to work. But my fear was what would that inf- what if? Right. Because there are always loopholes and laws and people try to figure things out and how to do it. We saw in some counties here in the state of New York that they're trying to, you know, use driver's licenses for, you know, an entrapment for, Mm -hmm. you know, the immigration police. Right. And for me, I was trying to protect. And if it didn't come out that way, then obviously I did not convey my message correctly. Right. But if I were to take that vote today with President Biden in office. I would vote yes because I wouldn't be scared of the anti-immigration rhetoric that existed when I took that vote. Yeah, but the point you make, and I think a lot of a lot of people in elected office grapple with this, is you make a tough vote, and then it gets twisted, it gets manipulated in such a way as to mean something that it doesn't. And there's there's that opportunism about it, and the people who are doing it know exactly what they're doing, and they know what your intention is. You know, if you have an actual policy disagreement, that's fine. That happens, but this is just part of what it is. You have to be you have to be able to defend the vote and, and explain it. And this is something that you now, when you're running again, have an opportunity to do. Do you find that people are receptive to it? Do you find that it's even a big issue in your election right now, or is it more in the chattering classes in the press? It's more the chattering. When I speak to people, they. <laughs> They're actually happy I'm running again. They mm-hmm. they are happy that they they potentially could have me as their rep again, at least in the old district that I represented. It hasn't come up. It hasn't come up about the driver's licenses. And if it does come up with people who, you know, my volunteers who go out there, they'll give them their number and I'll call them. That's I great. do not have any problem calling a, a constituent and then having my personal number for me to explain what my, my positions are on issues and why I took certain votes. And and that's the problem that we're seeing with my opponent is that he is trying to deceive people, trying to tell them that I'm a traitor because I went against the immigrant community because he's got nothing else to, mm. to do. And like I said, you actually came from El Salvador as a child. You actually did come to this country as an immigrant. I did. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I tell and look, this country has given my family the dream that everybody dreams of when coming from a country with civil unrest and, and poverty. Right. Um, I, I've been to, I graduated from top schools. I've had great, you know, I've I've had a great career. My siblings have, and I owe this country, you know, this country is my country. Though I was not born here. This is what I consider my country. And I, I do have dual citizenship, but, when when people ask me, I am a U.S. citizen and a proud American, and I will defend the Constitution as not only an elected official, but as an American. And, you know, so there are going to be certain votes that people don't understand as to why I took it. But we also have a responsibility to uphold the law and uphold the Constitution. 
You know, I have a question for you, seeing as you are a woman, as am I. I when, when I was in elected office, I never really went to gender as, oh, they're being disrespectful because I'm a woman. Or, But once in a while, it would just dawn on me, hmm, I wonder if they would say that to a guy. Do you think there is at all a gender dynamic in this particular primary between you and your opponent who is a man? I'm not just going to say this primary, but any female who has ever confronted Phil Ramos has had this type of attack on them. Hmm. Any woman who has run for office, who's, who's run either whether a higher office or just any government office, and if, if it's someone he doesn't like, he will be nasty. And this is definitely a bully action against a female because I highly doubt that this would be happening if it were a male. That's interesting. Huh. Well, anything else you want to say before I let you know? I know I let you go. I know you have to knock on doors and get out the vote. Anything you want to add that I might not have asked? One, thank you for having me. But two, if you live in the senatorial district, the newly drawn fourth Senate district, come out of vote. It is a critical race. This is, an, uh, you know, my opponent is someone who cannot be trusted. No one goes to him to get things done in Albany. They look for other assembly people because he just does not work well with others. I have a record of working well with people, and I will continue to do that. I will continue to be a consensus builder. I will continue to bring resources and solutions to the problems that we, you know, that we face here on Long Island. And I am the better choice. I have received endorsements from unions, from organizations, women organizations. And right now at a time, especially when women's rights are being attacked, we need a woman to understand women. And unfortunately, this individual who's running against me does not understand that, nor understands children because they were never in the educational world. And I think, you know, me having experiences on both ends, not just as a county legislator, but as a state senator, I think I bring more expertise to the table than he does. Thank you for getting the word out about voting. It is a crazy primary season. August 23rd is probably not an ideal day to get people out. It's, it's not in our muscle memory. It, people are thinking about back to school. They're thinking about enjoying the last few shreds of summer. So wherever you live, 4th Senatorial District or anywhere else, there's a bunch of primaries going on. Pick up your local newspaper, see what's happening, do your research, and vote for the person you think will represent you best. Monica Martinez, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy last day before the election and talking to me on Cut to the Chase. Good luck. We'll be watching. Thank you so much. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye.